Welcome everybody to Leading Theologically. Sorry, we're a minute or two late here, getting started in season three, and you know, special things happen. It's, uh, but uh, if if COVID taught us anything, Mark, it's to be patient. Pivot. I, you got to pivot. 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 That's it. <laughs> Let's see how many trigger words we can throw out there today. <laughs> you know, we gotta we gotta uh, think outside the box. We gotta be entrepreneurial. That's it. All right, I need to put a little like a warning flag on this whole show. Mark and I are going to have a lot of fun, and I hope you will too. <laughs> it's sort of like there's a there's a there's a beer company that says, you know, we brew beer and we that we like. We hope you like it too. I think that's <laughs> maybe the show today. But I I think y'all already so many of you know and love Mark Ramsey and others. Uh, I think you'll learn to love him. What a gift he is to the church. He's the executive director of Macedonia. Ministries and Ministry Collaborative, um, and um, is a Presbyterian pastor, but thinks bigger than that ecumenically uh, is his work, um, and broadly, uh, he's uh, editor of the Journal for Preachers. Um, he's on the board of Austin Presbyterian Seminary. Um, so many things, um, a mentor to so many uh, great pastors in the church as well, and a leader of cohorts strategic leader so many things mark thanks for making time in a busy september to being here yeah great to be with you oh man um he is married to elizabeth lynn um who i'm also married to elizabeth and we were just talking about uh, our elizabeths do much more interesting things than we do right what is she working on just briefly just tell us something for uh, lake institute on faith and giving okay called shifting ground which she's directing which is talking about the shift, everything that's shifting in faith and philanthropy, and just in philanthropy generally, both secular and religiously formed philanthropy, and of late, especially a focus on philanthropy in the Black church. Okay, so I'll be contacting her to be a guest on the show soon. <laughs> um, and um, I know that you have family um, and other places too. Um, Thanks for being here. He's a graduate of UVA and English. He went to Princeton Theological Seminary. Um, but I think mostly has just so much diverse world experience. Um, nobody I know asks better questions of the church than you do, Mark. And you don't you don't hold back. Um, so I want, but as we get into this, uh, ministry, um, a joyful calling even today. And there's been some uh, chatter out there, a different direction. Um, (laughs) I'd like to hear what is making you come alive. Howard Thurman says, uh, because what uh, the world needs are people who are coming alive. Yeah. I I think it's the most, so I was ordained almost about 39, almost 40 years ago. Um, The last vestiges of the post-World War II white mainline Protestant church. I always say when I'm talking to groups, um, I'm a product of the best of white mid-century Protestantism in the middle of the country. So there's nothing cynical to me about what the church was in that time, even with its limitations and even with its bumps and warts and and all that. But also, I think particularly by the time I got ordained, I I, I realized um, in ways that I scarcely could could imagine the scope of it, that that way, that ecology of church was not sustainable uh, for, right. for lots of reasons. Um, and, and yet, you know, it has sustained a lot of people and it formed me. So 
any critique I offer the church is a loving critique and a, a, a gracious critique based on my great love of how I was formed and, and the imagination my early church experiences uh, gave me. Um, I, I've served, I served six congregations before I was called to this position six years ago. And I, I say to people, about one and a half of them were really bad. I'm not going to, for those who may have been in those congregations, I'm not going to define which ones were. But, um, you know, they were hard. Um, there was a lot of dissension. You know, all the stuff the church can get into, I was into. What I realized through that was, though, God is a sustaining God. There mm. were days when I, um, I'm like, what in the world, God, were you thinking calling me here? Mm-hmm. And yet now as I look back on it, and it, number one, I learned some a lot along the way. I think of the relationships, the pastoral moment, mm-hmm. the important thing, some of the partnerships we did with civic organizations. I'm like, okay, it wasn't great and it was very imperfect. And yet there was there was something there which also was a source of joy. I know right now, um, particularly uh, of late, there, there's a lot of talk. I just read in the blog yesterday, quit lit and lament lit about from pastors. And I get that. And, uh, you know, my first thing about when, when vocation is hard for, for pastors is to be incredibly empathetic. It is a hard mm-hmm. job. Yeah. And, and it's an, a largely an underpaid job. And if you're not a white male, it is a even more difficult challenge often still in 2023. Right. I, I posit all that and a lot more. And yet um, the church is God's idea. And until God tells us the church is no longer God's idea, I don't think as a Christian I have any choice but to invest in it. And as one who feels called to uh, be a minister of word and sacrament, I don't have a choice but to find a place I can land and do something. So that makes me come alive, even amidst all the pain and hardship, which, again, I, I know. We, we do... Uh, we do a lot of work in urban areas, but also rural areas. And those are particularly challenging spots right now. For mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rural Iowa, rural North Carolina. You know, there is no happy ending in a way that was probably scripted in ministry books for there. And yet I'm seeing day in, day out, really faithful pastors getting up and doing the work of ministry. Even if they're maybe despairing about what's next, they're doing it. I am deeply grateful. And that, that also you know, that, that, that's a, that's a reason for joy and gratitude. As you're talking, I know how scripture means so much to you, um, as well. At the first time we met, um, you were on a podium preaching, uh, the funeral for, um, Mm -hmm. a beloved common friend. We had, um, the Reverend Amy Wallace Buchanan, um, in Anderson auditorium at Montreat. Um, it seems to me scripture says some similar things. The span of scripture, right? Is not all I, I've heard you say it's not all puppies and rainbows, right? Yeah. No, a- absolutely. Uh, Elizabeth and I, uh, my wife Elizabeth Lynn, write a blog post in, uh, in under our umbrella of ministry collaborative. Um, on uh, it's called Digging a Deeper Well, it's resources for church boards. Um, I am convinced that past one of the one of the paths, no matter what the denomination, one of the paths for pastors not to feel isolated is to figure out the most dynamic and generative way they can work with whatever group they're accountable to. It might be mm-hmm. a council, a vestry, a session, whatever it is. Everybody's accountable to somebody to to form a partnership there. And and our and our basic thesis is um, quit 
treating it like an HOA meeting or a PTA meeting and go deep and use scripture. The one we're just writing for tomorrow, uh, in fact, I was just editing it before we got on, um, we're, we're talking about um, James and John wanting to basically uh, get seated on the right hand of Jesus. In other words, to be popular. We're using the song Popular from Wicked, which I figure, if nothing else, people will enjoy the, the little mm -hmm. clip of Kristen Chenoweth. But we're also, there's a, there's a lovely poem by uh, Naomi Shihab Nye, a Palestinian-American poet called Famous, um, which is about what, what do we want to be famous for? Mm. And um, that seems to be, a, a as the church has lost its cultural traction, mm -hmm. which, by the way, I think is a good thing. Uh, because I think we were kind of kept on a little fluffy pillow, but also is kind of a, a, a jail as well as a mm -hmm. fluffy pillow. Right. Now we have to earn our own way. We have to earn our own way at the civic table. We're not going to be given the clergy slot. Right. That's something. Um, I think there's some grief over, oh, we used to be this and that. I think it's a marvelous opportunity to say, no, we need to put our heads down and do the hard but good work of ministry earn people's respect and earn the right to be heard. I think of Paul in Athens and, you know, in, in Acts 17, he went to the synagogue like he always did, but then he went to the marketplace and he did not decry them for all the idols. He used an idol. He was a savvy cultural interpreter, used the unknown God idol as a way to proclaim Jesus Christ, you know, crucified and risen. I think that's our job. Even today. Right, right. Wow, there's a lot there you just had to say. I'd love to unpack more, um, especially this engagement with culture. Yeah. Um, you know, in the neo Orthodox movement, there was, you know, the neighbor, neighbor yeah. had something to say. What, how would you describe um, what healthy engagement with the culture looks like, and pa particularly pastoral <laughs> ministry, but also, you know, ruling elders, other lay leaders? I mean, in terms of, you know, that a vocational theological kind of engagement. What does that culture engagement yeah, look like? That's a good question, Lee. Uh, I, I love, by the way, you're using <laughs> wicked uh, on your <laughs> blog. But I mean, it sounds like that's that's one way. Like, yeah, well, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that, that, that is an, that's such a great question about how we engage culture without being subsumed by culture. In some ways, I think the church is... And I, Whenever I say these things, I'm indicting myself as leading churches for 30 years. I fell into these traps. I'm not exempting myself at all. I think we try to chase culture sometimes and think we'll just be the Christian mm -hmm. version of what's mm -hmm. popular in culture, and then people will come. No, there's only a few reasons. I think culture has picked the carcass of the church clean, frankly. Mm -hmm. There's not much left except Jesus, because culture doesn't know what to do with Jesus, and that's all we need to be the church. Mm -hmm. Um and so I actually think that's a gift too. Um, but but I, so I think right, particularly right now, coming out of the last five years of fraught living in, on this planet, um, I think it is incumbent on pastors and on uh, church folk generally. There's a primal scream of need mm. in the culture right now, um, mm -hmm. and I would not look in church places to find that. I would look in secular places to find that. Um, this may sound heretical, but the uh, the weekend edition of the Wall Street Journal has the best cultural coverage I know of a, a print slash digital publication. 
they've they've published uh, about a month or two ago an article about uh, tech entrepreneurs in the Bay Area seeking out retreats where they would do hallucinogenic mushrooms. Oh my! Because they were running out of creativity and they wanted a way to rekindle their creativity and to make a difference in the world. Wow. Um, there's something called uh, bed rotting. Have you, you heard this phrase? No. Two, there's over 2 million <clears throat> videos on TikTok that show people how to bed rot, which is basically stay in bed all day and doom scroll. The author that described this, it was very, and I want to be careful too, sometimes out of grief or some other thing that has happened to us, one can't get out of bed. That is not this. This is adopting a lifestyle where we pull the covers up because, and the quote from, from the people who are on the videos, life is just too hard. I'm staying in bed. Mm. We know all the loneliness statistics. I, I won't, you know, re, re- right. capitulate them. I, I, if we had time, I could go over 10 or 12 more that I've just encountered in, in the last month. Culture is saying we are lonely. We are isolated. Yeah. Right. We're searching for a creative, imaginative way to live our lives. We don't know where to go. The thing is, church is is not even thought of in that equation as a mm. possibility. Right. I think most people might give church one glance, one mm. look. But if we meet them with here's a sign-up sheet to be an usher, they're going to keep going. <laughs> not, yeah. Okay. You just, I mean, it just hit me like a flood you know, you said mid-century church, you know, handbells, choirs, organ music. I mean, there was an outlet for creativity in congregations that fit. Not not handbells, but everything else. (laughs) That's the only one I could really join. And they only would give me one, Mark. (laughs) But, uh, you know, so, I mean, and I'd say sort of the whole Christian education experiment, and I'm going to, you know, nod, nods especially to folks like glenn bannerman and 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 others right. who sort of broke open sort of creativity Absolutely. but um in christian christian formation and spiritual formation but what you're telling me like this can be a creative spot this can be co- i mean ministry collaborative this can be a collaborative spot where we can come alongside you're making me feel good about it. i preached an installation sermon recently about i called it struggle in the streets it was about jacob at the Japic, like you know, there's, there's, he becomes Israel. So, you know, God struggles. Like it's in the midst of those struggles where you call it a primal. I love the way you call it. Like I'm a primal scream. Right. People are like, we need justice. We need, right. we need friends. We need right. meaning. You know, there's, there's a lot there. And where could the yeah. church be that creative space? That sounds like an opportunity for joy right there. I think it is. And, and, uh, look, I love culture. I, I, I popular culture. I, I love it. Um, if anybody hasn't seen the bear, stream both uh, seasons tonight. Okay. Um, but, um, but culture largely serves up junk food that is yeah. not nutritious for our souls, and we'll mm-hmm. be hungry again in ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but the church, I, 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 my view is the church has got. We, we've got to answer the only question that we can answer that culture can't which is why am I here? Who am I? The, a Pew study right at, right at the end of the pandemic said that over a third of Americans had thought about the meaning of life a lot in the last yeah. few months. Right? right. I mean, right. people are asking right. these questions, but if we go back to them with the same things we have 
That's not right. going to do it. And But yeah, and I am not at all dissing worship, education, all those important things. I'm dissing, you know, here here's the 16 social activities you can do. If people want to do that right. because the church, great. Can we please help them dig a deeper well for their souls? Right. Amen. We've got folks joining us today. We'd love to let, let us know you're here, who you are, what your context of ministry is. If there's something um, we've said you'd like to know more about or resounds with you, um, thanks for being here. Um, God. Oh, I just want to add, too, even as I say this, I feel bad because pastors are already overwhelmed, and this is adding even more to their job description. I, I So I, I, I'm saying this more tenderly than it may sound because I know it's a complex uh, ecology of what pastors have to look at. Right, right. You know, um, usually we, it seems like we're on the phone about once a month, every six weeks or something. And um, there's usually one question, but it leads to 10 more. <laughs> uh, but it usually starts with, you know, and you've already started saying it, but what else are you seeing happening in ministry right now? Um, that maybe, I mean, maybe the social media folks aren't grabbing onto um, and that really matters, especially I'm thinking the work with the ministry collaborative, the cohorts that, that gather. I mean, you were, I remember also, you're the cohort you were a part of. That's, you know, that presented at the American Academy of Religion. It was PhD, pastor types. Yeah. What, what are you seeing? What are you learning there? Yeah. Um, so very briefly, Ministry Collaborative was formed about 15 years ago. Um, and we, we mostly form cohorts of pastors, both locally in an area, but now virtually also, depending on pe where people are, about hopefully 10 to 12 pastors to commit to somewhere between six months and two years of trust building and peer learning together with a trained facilitator. There's mm -hmm. more, but that, that's the heart of it. The key, there are many keys to it, and I've learned a lot from my colleagues and from people who've been cohorts. We are heavily evaluated. We look at every evaluation. The one thing we see is the more diverse the cohort, gender balanced mm -hmm. and, and diverse, mm -hmm. theologically diverse, politically diverse, um, racially diverse, urban, rural, diverse, you know, pick your category. Right. The more diverse they are, those are the those are the cohorts where the participants register the highest satisfaction with that experience. Mm -hmm. When we begin narrowing any of those categories, they like it, but they don't love it. Mm -hmm. um, I like to say that we don't do diversity because it's like eating your vegetables. We know we're supposed to do it, though we should. We do it because that's where the learning is. Mm -hmm. I am particularly concerned in the church right now about the echo chambers that are happening everywhere. I think we all fall prey to it. We listen to the same stuff. We listen to the same people. We, we, we watch the same uh, social media feeds. Thank you, algorithms. Um, and so when something happens, like there is a pastor who had to give up his or her church because they're in pain, that's important. But that's one slice of a much larger story. There right. needs to be care and empathy there, but also focus on what I'm seeing is people all over the place are getting this. There is there is a vibrancy to the Church of Jesus Christ. By the way, it's no longer denominational-centric or specific. Mm -hmm. I have nothing against denominations. I've been a proud Presbyterian since baptism, frankly. <laughs> um, but I don't see the future of the church in North America mm -hmm. being denominational. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and particularly in smaller communities, it's going to boil down to one or two faith communities. They're going to have to learn to work together. 
we find, particularly denominational, we, we, we have 23 denominations and non-denominational churches in our cohorts nationally. We have about 1,500 pastors that either have been or currently are in a cohort. We find if there's no more than two of any denomination in a cohort, that's sort of the sweet spot. And why is that? Well, let's think of our Methodist sisters and brothers right now and the pain they're going through. Right. Um, if there are five or six Methodists, inevitably they're going to talk about who the bishop is and what she said, who the district superintendent is and what's going on. If there's only two, the court will pray for them, support them, be empathetic, but right. no, there's no traction to hang on to it. Mm-hmm. I think that's a way forward for us here. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got to learn to cooperate and collaborate more. Mm-hmm. But I'm very excited about what I'm seeing. I'm excited seeing what's happening coming out of the pandemic as far as what people are figuring out on how to reconnect people with one another, either in person or digitally. I don't think it's an either or, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot, sm- Our smallest church is a house church of 20. Our largest is over 6,000. I'm seeing faithfulness and vibrancy at every end of the spectrum. From, yeah, and, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And I need to say, I'm also seeing some really painful situations mm-hmm. where um, things are not moving and it's bad. I mean, obviously, in some congregations. Um, you mentioned a little bit ago the algorithms that <laughs> that uh, that we don't choose; uh, they're chosen for us um, and feed us information. What? Where are some places you mentioned the Wall Street Journal a little bit ago? Um, I, I think, in particular, the what did you say this Sunday or? So it's a Saturday Sunday edition. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't read. Weekend. I want to be clear. I don't read the opinion page at all. I read. <laughs> right. Um, what are some places? Yeah. You know, what do you? What do you read? What? What do you? You're you're making some. You're an intentional person. Yeah. Um, you know, what are you paying attention to, media wise or yes. you know, publishing wise? Um, yeah. So, so one thing that I and some people may may he's gotten a lot of press, frankly, in the last few few weeks because he's part of the book Dechurching which either is coming out or has just come out. Ryan Burge is a professor at Eastern Illinois uh, University. He's also a pastor of a small church mm-hmm. in Central Illinois. He writes a blog called Graphs About Religion. Mm-hmm. I find it amazingly insightful. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not willing to say something without back- backing up with data, but he also understands that data doesn't tell the whole story. Mm-hmm. I would commend his blog to everybody. Graphs mm-hmm. About Religion. Ryan Burge, B-U-R-G-E. Mm-hmm. It is, I learn something every single time. He's covered the future of theological education, the future of institutions. Right. Um, one he wrote recently was um, religion has become a luxury good. Mm-hmm. Talking about social status and what it means for how, where someone's religious participation is. It's fabulous. I think Pew, Pew puts out just some data points. Pew puts out some really interesting things. So does Barna on, on data. And I tell you, I, I, I don't just sit and read graphs all day, but I don't trust anybody right now who says they know what the church is going to look like five years from now. Right. It is, it is Mr. Toad's wild ride. Every, mm-hmm. Everything is up for grabs. And I'd say the one question we ask as a staff team, as well as with anybody I encounter, I ask it of you, what are you saying? What yeah, you <laughs> right. Well, we, I think we have to be attuned to what our assumptions have been may not right. be. What got us to today may probably won't get us to tomorrow. Mm-hmm. We need to be on pins and needles. That serves well for churches that are willing to trust uh, the Spirit mm-hmm. and, and trust that God has this with us. 
and is holding us. It does not do well with um, institutional structures that are like the Maginot Line in France before World War II, a fixed point that can't be moved. And unfortunately, right. when I think of our denominational structures, many of them, not all, and many of our theological institutions, not all of them, I'm unfortunately seeing a lot of fixed points that aren't moving and not asking that question, right. what do we need to be saying? Well, and those are not forever and ever amends, right? I mean, you right. can, right. they can make a shift, uh, pivot, <laughs> you know, all I, those things. I you, believe in miracles. Absolutely. You, <laughs> well, and you said earlier, and is the church is God's idea. Like, yeah. I think that's, that gets lost in the mix sometimes. And I appreciate like, you know, we were saying about Ryan and yourself, like it's on all the, it's not all about the numbers. I've said, you know, I'll, I'll talk about some of the things I'm looking at and, you know, it's not, it's not a math problem. <laughs> this is not all about statistics, you know, because um, just because the, the trend may be going away does not necessarily mean that's what God intends, right. you know, yeah. right. And, well, uh, and, and, and Lee, as, as, so long as God is determined that the church is a way to express the body of Christ in the world, there will be a church, right? God is God and we're not, which means right. God determines this. We don't. And I think our obedience to that yeah, and, and really seeking a way to find joy in that is really important. Right. Right. So t talk about obedience, not a word we usually hear in 2023. <laughs> so how is that spiritual discipline? How, how can you be an obedient Christian in 2023, yeah. Mark. Yeah. Um, somebody <laughs> said, I can't remember, some mentor said to me a long time ago, we're all obeying something and we better pay attention to what we're obeying. Okay. Um, that's how I would come in obedience. All right. I mean, it's not like I'll either be obedient or I won't, or the word disobedient. And I'm not talking about that, but we all are bowing at some altars. Success, mm -hmm. popularity, um, right. You know, you name it. We're all bowing at something. Yeah. Where, where does God come into that? Okay. My sense of obedience. I mean, I am such a believer that when God calls, God equips. We see that in Jeremiah. We see it. In Amen. Jeremiah. We see it uh, in the narrative of Sarah. We see, we see it all the way through scripture. Mary. Mm -hmm. um, I don't worry about, well, I do worry about it because I'm not always <laughs> obedient. If God calls us to do something, and I believe call is confirmed by community, not me just saying I've got the truth, then um, God will equip us and give us what we need. The mm -hmm. problem is that sometimes will be a radical following, which is going to require some obedience. And we're going to have to walk across a bridge that is in fog and we don't know what's at the other end. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, I'm just speaking my own personal life. I had to do a lot of walking across foggy bridges. But mm -hmm. hopefully, and I will tell you, sometimes I backed up and said, I'm not doing that one today. But I, I, I just, we, we, the sovereignty of God is everything. The grace and love of Jesus Christ is everything. Mm -hmm. And when was it that we had a meeting in the, really the mainline church where we decided that wasn't enough to present to the world mm -hmm. in its fullness? Mm -hmm. um, I'm not giving that up. I'm just not giving it up. Well, I appreciate it the hope that you have in there. I mean, there's, it's a deep hope is what I hear and the possibilities. And, and I love this idea. Like God does not call whom God does not equip. And, and I'll tell you what, that's what wakes me up and gets me going. Like, I want to make sure we're, we're held into that um, and theological education in other ways as well. Um, the work with, with cohorts too, just seems like really important. I bet you don't walk 
uh, many foggy bridges. I'm putting in air quotes alone, <laughs> right? right. You, you have you have people in well, the body of Christ I probably, walking. I probably talk to forty or fifty pastors a week, in some weeks, depending on where I am and what I'm doing. And often when a pastor is in trouble, and we both know that happens to all of us a lot. All right. Um, my first question to them is, who's walking with you? Yeah. Who do you have? Who? How are you building a network? Not just of colleagues, but within your faith community, who is walking with you? We are not giving enough attention, in my view, to partnering with faithful church folk who want right. to do this work. Right. Well, and I mean, I gosh, my you know, it's happened through the pandemic and it's still going. My my pastoral cohort my, uh, that I'm a part of is, uh, I mean, yeah, it's a lifeline. Um, that's that's part of it, but it's yeah, it's also it's more than that. Um, and, and I think it's steering clear, it seems to me of the people who don't want to be good partners or don't, you know, there's, there's a lot of, I don't know if it's part of the mental health and illness, you know, pandemic that's happening or what it is, but there's some mean things going on out there too. And got steering clear of those places. And, and sometimes you need others to show you like, don't go that way, <laughs> you know, or at least, uh, don't, don't use this trigger word. Um, right. and, and talking about hope and joy, I don't. You, I really appreciate you raising that again, Lee. I don't want to give short shrift to that. That is absolutely true. Yeah. That, that is out there and needs yeah. to be taken seriously. Our, I can't believe, even though we started later, we're, we're running out of time fast, folks. If there are questions you want to slip in before you go, please let me know. Um, I'm gonna uh, look forward to uh, two weeks. We're locking in our guests for two weeks from now, uh, so stay tuned. But we have some great guests coming up. Anna Carter Florence. Uh, on her new book that's coming out um, is is on the season uh, this year. Also, um, uh, a couple of other really important guests that I'm now forgetting. I don't have it written down in front of me, but uh, be on the lookout. So we'll be every other Tuesday um, through the fall. So be on the lookout. I'm going to invite you to give a benediction in just a moment, but I just want to thank you first. Thank everybody for being here, but thank you, Mark for the Christian witness that you are, for the colleague that you are, for the friend that you are uh, to me, but to so many others, uh, the lifeline um, and also uh, the resource that you, that you are in so many different ways and have been for decades. Um, uh, I just want to shine a light on you and give thanks for the ways uh, God is um, helping us know better ways to follow uh, through the ways that, that you lead. So thanks for who you are, Mark. Yeah, thank you. And I would say to people, uh, www.mministry.org, I think it's in the, the notes, uh, anything we post, we post articles, podcasts, everything's open source, take anything, use it. Um, and if you're interested in the cohort, let us know and we'll see if we can cook one up for you. Thank you. That's yeah. awesome. Um, uh, would you uh, bless and send us as we go? Thanks, Lee. This has been a good time. Um, God, as we go, we pray that you would be with us, around us, above us, and behind us, particularly to push us into places you need us to be that we may not want to go on our own, but you will be there, and there is the hope. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. And a blessings to everyone this day and always. Take good care. Thank you.